Well, welcome. We uh, get to do something very special this morning, something that we love doing around here, and uh, they're called children's dedications or child dedications. And uh, we actually have two families today. The first one, uh, where's, where are they? Bobby, Danelle, come on up. This is Bobby and Danelle Meyer. And... and we got handsome Samuel coming up here. Every time they arrive on Sunday, I say, what's up, handsome? And he just stares at me. I thought I was going to get a fist bump, but I didn't yet. So I'm still working on the fist bump. So what's up, handsome? That's the look I get all the time. So, so children's dedications. Uh, if you're not familiar with children's dedications, uh, this is not what we call a salvation uh, issue. What we're about to do with Samuel and then Micaiah in just a few minutes, uh, we believe it doesn't necessarily save them. Okay, what, what we celebrate as a church family is that, in this case, Bobby and Danelle are committing before you as their church family uh, to say, you know what, we are going to do our best to raise Samuel in the ways of the Lord, and one day we all get to celebrate his profession of faith in Jesus. But we also, as a church family, uh, understand that this is a collective responsibility. Amen? Amen. Right? How many of you know the joys and the challenges of parenting? How many of you appreciated when someone says, I'm praying for you yes. as a parent, right? Well, that, at the very least, we pray for one another here, but sometimes there's needs financially, materially, and so we, we do that, and we're all in this journey together. Uh, Psalm 127.3 says this, children are a gift from the Lord, they are a reward from him. So if you're a child sitting next to your parent, just say, hey, by the way, I'm a gift, just turn to say, turn them and say, hey, I'm a gift. Just to remind you, I am a gift from God. Okay? So, we are celebrating really a decision that Bobby and Danelle uh, are making on behalf of Samuel as a family. We have been so blessed to see both of you blossom uh, in the years that you've been here and then to see this little guy from really the beginning. What's up, handsome? Okay, next time. So, um, so. I'm going to ask you two a question, okay. and if you agree, say we do, and then I'm going to have a church family question. So, uh, Bobby and Danelle, do you commit by God's grace, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in partnership with the church, to raise Samuel in the training and instruction of the Lord, with the desire that he will one day trust Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord? If so, say we do. We do. Amen. All right, church family, again, remember, this is, a, this is the big we, okay? And so... I'm going to ask you a question as well. Do you commit, church family, by God's help to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ, to help this family be faithful to God, and to help teach and train Samuel in the ways of the Lord with the desire that he will trust Jesus as his Savior and Lord? If so, church family, respond by saying, we do. We do. It's pretty sweet, huh? All right? All right. Uh, where's uh, Mark? Come on up. The elders, we're going to... Uh, pray for you guys. Tyler's going to pray. And then uh, we'll bring up the next family. Pray with us. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for today. We just thank you for another day of life. And we just thank you to, that we were able to celebrate um, Sammy this morning, Lord, and th- that they're gonna be, he's going to be raised in a Christian home, Lord. And you tell us that it takes an army to raise a child, Lord. And so as a church, we're going to come alongside this family and just shepherd them 
to have Samuel follow Jesus, because that is the ultimate goal, is that Samuel follows you, Jesus. So we give this up to you, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you. All right. Well, originally we only had Samuel being dedicated, but the circumstances uh, have changed and allowed um, another family to be in town. Uh, last time Micaiah was here, she was still in the womb, wasn't she? <laughs> and uh, so circumstances uh, changed, and Zeke and Layla uh, were able to bring our second grandchild to be dedicated. Uh, they just arrived from... Uh, yes. They arrived from Capsuar, uh, Kenya on Thursday, and they'll be with us for a week. So, Zeke and Layla, why don't you guys come on up? This is Micaiah Rhodes, and uh, this is Niala. All right, so I'm going to ask you the same questions. So, Zeke and Layla, do you commit by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit and in partnership with the church to raise Micaiah in the training and instruction of the Lord, with the desire that she will trust Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord. If so, say we do. Yeah. All right. And church family, once again, do you commit by God's help to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ for this future worship leader, singer, to help this family be faithful to God? And to help teach and train Micaiah in the ways of the Lord with the desire that she will trust Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord. If so, respond by saying, we do. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray. Mark, would you like to pray for them, Mark? Uh, Lord Jesus, what a privilege uh, to just be praying for uh, Zeke and Layla and for Micaiah, Lord. Um, We... Know that they have trusted their lives to you, Lord, and we just come alongside them as their church family, uh, as ones who love you together and love them. Uh, Lord, we pray for Zeke and Layla just in their their lives and their ministry and Capsuar, um, and particularly for Micaiah, Lord, just as a young girl growing up in a foreign country and in a missionary type situation, Lord, that you will just bless and protect and guide and fill her life, Lord, with the joy and love of Jesus Christ. So we put them in your hands and we thank you for just getting to have them as part of our family and we join in just surrounding them with your love in Micaiah's life. So we love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. If you have a a child that you would like to be dedicated, please contact us. Uh, Also, baptisms. We love doing baptisms around here, so if you have not been baptized and you would like to be baptized, please let us know as well. Okay? Kim, come on up. Come on, Linda. (laughs) Hello. I'm Kim, and yes, I'm normal today, and this is my, my sidekick, Linda. Um, I'm Kim from Children's Ministry. I, I'm the lead for Kingdom Kids, and this is Linda from the nursery. Hello. <laughs> if I'm not in a costume, I'm kind of shy up here, so you have to kind of bear with me. Um, we have something special today. 
I want to start out with a verse that's really special to us for Kingdom Kids. Um, It says, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And that's Matthew 19, 14. And one of our ministries that's really important is children's ministry. Um, We have a lot of littles here, um, and it goes all the way up to fifth grade, and uh, they're very special. So um, we have someone else that's very special that's added to our ministry, and that's Tina Rosas. (laughs) So... um, Yeah, so um, some things I just want to say before we begin. Um, It's not going to be long. We're not going to be here until 1, so I'll I'll hurry. Um, The International Bible Society indicated that 83% of Christians make their first commitment to Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14. That is when they are children or early youth. Um, And they call that the uh, 4 to 14 window. So it's really important. Many people serving as missionaries have testified that they first felt God calling them to missionary service during that 4 to 14th age period. So our Kingdom Kids volunteers, I have to read this, are missionaries in children's ministry here at the well. They teach the word of God each Sunday. The mere fact that they show their love of and they bring a child to know Jesus is amazing and unmatched. We are so proud and appreciative of each and every one of our Kingdom Kids volunteers, and they deserve to be recognized for their dedication to our children and our church family. Now, I have something to say. I did a bait and switch. I told our volunteers and Kingdom Kids that we had a mandatory meeting today, so they had to come to church. They have no idea that we are doing this right now. So I apologize, but I don't. So Um, we are going to call them up at this time so they can each and every one of them be recognized. So um, we're going to start out with the nursery. And I was excited that we have this opportunity to um, thank them for all that they do, because we have such a humble, hardworking, loving group. So, Nadine. (laughs) Danelle. (laughs) Jasmine. Kathy Pag, Kai and Cynthia, Dennis and Sarah. Katie, Layla, and Sue. Jesse. For the older kids, that's just the nursery. Yay! Oh, you are. Don't push me. Okay. All right. For our older kingdom kids, we have Darianne. 
you, ma'am. Matt and Aubrey. And Josie. Ireland, Lachelle, Eowyn, Rennell, Linda, Linda, where are you? Oh, there you are. Hi, Linda. Thank you. Oh, there's, there's Rennell. And we have Tina. Sam. There you are, Sam. Christine. And Jonathan. And I think we got them all. So if you look under your seats and there's a sticker, that means you are a new volunteer. No? Before we end. What? No. I know you're Okay, thank you very much. All right. Thank you guys, all of you. You guys are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> now get back to work. All right. We're, we're going to actually be, di be dismissing the kids to Kingdom Kids. So kids, you guys can head out the back doors there. And let's, let's let the kids know how much we love them as well. See you guys in a little bit. Man, that was crazy. That was like 90% of the church was up here. All the, other, all the other ministries are like, we don't have any volunteers. Yeah, because Kim took them all. See, she gives them gifts, feeds them. Just got to, you know, you got to prime the pump a little bit. So kingdom kids. I was like, man, oh, man, that was loud. That's a blessing, though, right? And when we got this facility, what, five or six years ago, uh, one of our, our heart, our, our vision was for young families. And uh, it's been a blessing to see uh, God really bring the young families of the valley here over the last five, six years. So uh, Kingdom Kids, wonderful ministry. Uh, Kim is completely devoted uh, to what she does here and does a great job. Uh, in fact, one of the uh, announcements we have, if you go down the hallway, if you've never seen the Kingdom Kids rooms, I encourage you after, after church, go check out the nursery and the Kingdom Kids rooms and, and see what your kids get to experience. Um, but in the hallway... The, there's a, like a, what they're calling a prayer wall, and there's a, I think it's a cross, right, Tyler? And, and there's compartments in there, and you'll see some scrolls. 
they're teaching the kids about prayer. And so there's a prayer wall in the hallway, and you are invited. We are all invited. If you want, there's a pen and paper there. Uh, You can write a prayer request and insert it in one of those compartments. You don't have to put your name if you don't want to. And um, eventually, Kim is going to hand that off to the prayer team. So if you have a prayer request for yourself or uh, someone else, feel free to make uh, use of that prayer wall. And uh, that would be wonderful. Um, But again, great, great ministry there. And the only other announcement we have today is Help of Ojai, right? We're coming alongside um, Help of Ojai, and we're going to be making, uh, helping prepare lunches for the homeless uh, on those dates right there. And uh, Cindy Mullins is doing a wonderful job facilitating this. Cindy, right there. She's right here. Wave your hand. So, yes, Cindy. So there are some needs and... uh, so if you are interested, it's a wonderful ministry, great opportunity to make an impact in our community. So see Cindy afterwards. She'd love to chat with you, maybe get your contact info, and um, can be off and running with that. All right. Well, good morning once again. Great to see you all. If uh, you're visiting or you haven't been with us for a while, we are working our way through the Gospel of Mark. And uh, one of the phrases around here that the elders like to to joke with me about is like, we're not in a hurry. And so we've been here for several weeks, and we've managed to get through 12 verses. And so that's okay. That's okay. We're going to keep moving through what we call the Lord's pace. Um, We've been covering, and we've been kind of sneaking up on looking at the, the temptations that Jesus faced in the wilderness. And over the last couple of weeks, we've really, uh, really been focusing on this issue of timing, this issue of timing. In Mark 1, 12 to 13, it says this, the spirit immediately drove him. He's talking about Jesus. And this happens right after Jesus gets baptized. And if you remember, Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist and this supernatural thing happens, right? The heavens open, this Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And then the Bible says, God speaks and says, hey, this is my beloved son, I'm well pleased. So this, he gets baptized, supernatural miracle, and then right after that, it says this, the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. And again, I showed you a picture. This is what the wilderness in Israel looked like. So he goes from beautiful Jordan River out to that for 40 days where he fasts, wild animals, desolate, really. It's called the wilderness. And we have been talking about the last couple of weeks, the timing. So Jesus has this, what we call mountaintop experience. Woohoo! right? We've all been there. Things are going well. Got the job. Got the significant other, right? Whatever. Things are just mountaintop, right? Whistling. <whistles> Things are good. Everything looks sunny outside, right? Mountaintop. And how many of you have been on the mountaintop and immediately phone call, text, email, boss wants to see you, you go to the wilderness? Anyone? In a matter of like that fast, right? And so we've been talking about the timing of this, that Jesus has this mountaintop experience, inauguration of his ministry, and immediately he's sent into the wilderness. And we've been talking about the importance of being prepared because life can change really quickly. Right? We've talked about how right outside this, these walls right now, you know, this is kind of what we call a mountaintop. Sunday mornings, it's mountaintop for many of us. We love it. We reconnect. But as soon as you leave here, you're heading back out into the wilderness. 
Some of you tomorrow, you're not even looking forward to work tomorrow or school, right? Even before the day is done, you might be in the wilderness. And you're like, man, the day started so good. Dedication, right? And then by the end of the afternoon, Bobby's like, what happened? It was a good morning. What happened? You know, and, and, and we've been talking about, you know, oftentimes if we're circumstance-driven or we're feelings-driven, our life is like this or our Christianity is like this. And we start, if we're not careful, we start to live. We want to always have mountaintop. We, we call it the feels, the experience. We got to have hype music. We got to have guest speakers. And it's always got to be up, 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 you know? And if we're not careful, we take our eyes off of following Jesus, who said we're going to have trials and tribulations. And what we start to do, even as believers, is we start to follow experiences and we start to follow feels. And when I'm feeling good and I had a really good Christian experience, my faith is good. But then when my boss calls me in or someone disrespects me or someone is mean to me, suddenly we go in the tank that fast, right? And so the last two weeks, we've been talking about having the right perspective. We looked at Joseph yesterday or last Sunday and we're kind of like, how do we stop doing this and just kind of level it out a little bit? And if you didn't listen to last Sunday's message, I really encourage you. We looked at the life of Joseph who had some crazy mountaintops and crazy wilderness, and in the end, we learned that his perspective stayed true to God. Amen? Amen. Right? Okay. So today, we're going to nudge a little bit forward, and we're actually going to look at what Jesus experienced. And what's important, uh, remember, is in Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest, again, referring to Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So when Jesus was baptized, part of that was him identifying with us, okay? Also, this temptation that we're going to look at, also we recognize that Jesus gets it. When you and I are tempted and we're struggling, he gets it. He knows how hard it is. In fact, it's interesting. Uh, I was reading this quote and I was really made me think, he says, the only person who really knows the degree and the gravity of the pull of temptation is somebody who never gave into it. See, if you give into it at 50%, at 60%, at 70%, well, yeah, you hung in there for a long time, but it's only the person who never gave into it who knows how really difficult it is, right? And that's Jesus. So he gets us. The Bible says he, he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. Also foundational we looked at was that in James 1.13, it says, let, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Okay, this foundational that we've looked at in the last couple of weeks. In fact, the word tempt in the Greek, the original language, actually is a morally neutral word. Usually when I say temptation, we're going to think of, you think of some uh, moral issues, some sexual seduction or something like that. That's usually what we associate this word temptation. But really in the Greek, it's a morally neutral word. And it, this, it really means testing and temptation are the same Greek word. And so you can have a circumstance in your life, it's kind of like two sides of the same coin, where God is testing and the devil wants to use it as a temptation. It's very fascinating. It's very fascinating to reframe temptation in your life, okay? John MacArthur says this. The basic meaning of temptation, and there's the Greek word, 
is simply to test or prove and has no negative connotation. Whether it becomes a proof of righteousness or an inducement to evil depends on our response. If we resist it in God's power, it is a test that proves our faithfulness. If we do not resist, it becomes a solicitation to sin. Same word, same circumstance. Question is, how are we going to respond? How do we respond? Stephen Cole says this, With his people, the purpose of God's tests is to refine our faith like gold or silver. But because of indwelling sin and the existence of Satan, every test may also become a temptation to sin. It's again, again, you're presented with a circumstance either later today or tomorrow at work or at school or wherever. And the question really becomes, what is your response to it? That's the choice we have. Okay? And, and it's really interesting. As I was thinking about the mountaintop versus the wilderness this week, I also thought of something uh, from this world of sports, right? And I can see the New York hat right there. You ever hear of a fair weather fan? Right? What's a fair weather fan? You know what a fair weather fan is? How many of you heard fair weather fan? Oh, they're just a fair weather fan. Well, a fair weather fan only shows up and only shows support when the team is doing well. Right? We watched the Lakers last night. You know, it's all filled. Everyone's going crazy, right? Because they're doing well, right? And so sometimes you're like, oh, okay, here comes all the fair weather fans, right? Because they're doing well. The boys in blue, right? They show up. The, at least the Dodger Stadium gets filled, right? And all you hardcores who weather the not so good, you're like, oh, now they show up. Look at all these fair weather fans, right? So you get this sense that they're not really loyal. Their, their heart's not really in it. They're just in it because things are going really well, right? Fair weather fans. And, and, and then when, when the Dodgers or the Lakers don't do so well and they're in rebuilding years, there's a lot of empty seats. You see it on TV. You see it at the stadium. You're like, where'd they all go, right? Two seasons ago, they were all decked out, bought everything up, you know, and, and now because they're struggling, I'll just watch it at home. I just watch, I just, I just look at the score after, you know? And so there's this, there's a, there's a, there's a hard issue going on. Some people say, oh, you're not really loyal, but there's a, there's kind of a commitment issue, right? There's a commitment issue. And, and I was thinking of that in our walk with Jesus. How many of us might be fair weather fans of Jesus versus what I call faithful followers? How many of us and, and, and this relates to tem- how we deal with temptation, right? How many of us might be a little bit more fair-weather Jesus fans? As long as things are going well in my life, as a whole, you know, we're on the winning team. I've had some victories. I'm there at church. I'm reading my Bible. I'm in, I'm in a Bible study. I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. And as soon as something turns and you didn't get the prayer answered the way you wanted in your time, and it just seems like your life just kind of went boop, and you're, you know, in a rebuilding year, you're in the wilderness, and then now your seat's empty, kind of like those that stop going to Dodgers and Lakers games, because the team's rebuilding. It's not fun anymore, right? We're, we only like when they're doing well, and I wonder how many of us are fair-weather fans of Jesus Versus faithful followers, because there's a heart issue going on here, and this heart issue will carry forward into how you and I are going to deal with temptation, okay? Because it has to do with faith, 
okay, and trust and commitment and everything. We're going to look at that. I just kind of want to lay that framework where, uh, for us. In, in 1 Peter 5.8, it says this, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your what? Faith. Faith is going to undergird all of this, right? So that, those verses right there tell us that there is an enemy. And the enemy doesn't want to just mess with you. It doesn't say, like, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to mess with. It doesn't say that, does it? It says devour. It's not a game. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy everything, your testimony, everything. He wants to devour you. He's not playing. They take great pleasure when pastors fall. They take great pleasure when your testimony gets messed up. That's their whole point, is to destroy you, to devour you. This is not a game. This is very serious, okay? And, and that also undergirds these temptations, because here's the thing. The same strategies that the devil used against Jesus in the wilderness are the same strategies he's using in your life right now. May 21st, 2023. He hasn't changed his strategy. He hasn't changed his strategy at all. And so... As we move forward, we're going to have to lay one more real important framework, and this element of faith, okay? The definition of biblical faith, because where you are in your biblical faith is to a large degree going to determine your response and your victory in temptation, okay? So when it comes to faith, the Bible defines it, if you were to look at it, really as there's, there's three components, okay? There's knowledge. Right? You get educated, you read those scriptures, you get some knowledge. There's assent, which means you agree, right? So they call that intellectual assent. So you, you read the Bible, you go, yeah, I get it, I get it, I agree with that. The third one, and this is the one that, that really is the challenging part, this is the versus the fair weather versus the loyal fans. The third element of biblical faith, which, which this is the one that really gets people, is trust, confidence. Reliance. Okay? So, right now, the, the analogy I like to use here, right now, all of you who are sitting here are demonstrating biblical faith. Okay? Now, faith has an object. Okay? Like a cell phone. <laughs> That's all right, Ernie. Don't worry about it, man. I've known you since before cell phones, I think, Ernie. So, it's all right, bro. All right. That's the worst, huh? <laughs> like, how many of you have panic mode? It's like, oh, please. And then you open, like, then you push the wrong button. <laughs> Inhale, Ernie. We're good. And everyone's like, I'm glad it wasn't me. How many are like, I'm glad it wasn't me? <laughs> look, Ernie, look. They're enjoying your pain right now, bro. <laughs> They're like, Whoa. Okay. That's just life. Ernie, Ernie, Ernie. Where was I? Okay, faith. So here's the thing. Three components. Intellect, agreement, and then you have to do something with it. You have to trust. So you came in today. You looked at that chair. You didn't, and you said, you know what? That chair, in my educated intellectual opinion, looks like it can hold my weight. You agreed. There was intellectual assent that that chair could hold your weight. 
How do I know, how do you people around you know that you actually have faith in that chair? What did you do? You sat in the chair. That's biblical faith, three components right there. You sitting in the chair right now, you are demonstrating what we would call biblical faith because you are fully vested in that chair. In fact, if you want a little bit crazy, lift your feet up. Ooh, that's crazy. Full weight in that chair. That is biblical faith. Full weight on Jesus. Full reliance on Jesus. Right? You read what the scriptures say about him. You assent to it. You say, yes, that's it. God's, yes. And then you what? You rest on Jesus. You, 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 you put your full weight, your eternal weight on Jesus. Right? So you have an object. It's like a, let's use you two. Marvin and Isaac, come on. Okay, similar illustration. You might, have, you might have seen a demonstration of a faith fall, right? So, so, so if this is, if I, say, if I say, Isaac, do you have faith in Marvin and I that we would catch you if you were to fall backwards? What would you say? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Bro. Right? So he would, he would have to start vetting us. He's trying to figure out, you know, Marvin been working out. He got some guns. He's good to go, right? He kind of likes you, so he might not pull away, right? So he would have to figure it out. Then at some point, he'd have to agree. And then we would all know whether or not he actually had faith in us if he did what? If he did, if he, if he actually fell back, right? Now, it's funny. I've seen some YouTubes and TikToks where they try to set this up, and the person goes that way. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? But no, you don't have to. Thank you. I let you off the hook. How many of you wanted to see if we would? Yeah, I know. I know. You're so mean. They, they, they were just waiting for the, oh, he fell. So faith has to have an object, okay? There's three components. We, we use our brains, okay? This isn't like bury your head in the sand, faith around here. You use your noggin. You do your research, whether you're, you're wondering about where we got the Bible, whether you're in the existence of God. You do your research. You come to the place of like, okay, yeah, thumbs up, I agree. And then at a certain point, we're called to rest and put our confidence in Jesus. That's what, if you're, if you're sitting around other believers today, you're just sitting around someone else who have just exercised those three components. Okay, you're both resting in Jesus, just like you are at the chair. Okay? I like this definition. It says, many people believe certain facts about Jesus Christ. Many people will intellectually agree with the facts the Bible declares about Jesus. But knowing those facts to be true is not what the Bible means by faith. The biblical definition of faith requires intellectual assent to the facts, and here's important, and trust in the facts. It means sit in the chair. Okay, you have to sit in the chair. In Ephesians 6, it says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. All of those components you'll see today. But the shield of faith, absolutely necessary if we're going to defend ourselves against the evil one. Okay? So our faith is also directly related to our heart. In the Bible, when it says heart, it means the command center of my life and your life. Out of the abundance of our heart, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Okay? James 1.13 again says this. Let no one say, when he is tempted, 
I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Now look at this. But each person, you and me, is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. That's craving, longing, lust, okay? Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So if there's a situation that comes into my life and your life, and it's a testing or temptation, what we've really got to do is get to the core of the issue, which is what's going on in my heart, my desires. What's going on at the desire level, okay? And so Jesus goes out in the wilderness, and in Matthew 4, 3, we see his first temptation. And the tempter came, to, tempter came and said to him, if, now that word if means since, okay? It's not, he's not questioning. He's actually saying, since you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days, and the Bible says he was hungry. How many of you get hungry if you miss one meal? 40 minutes, right? Some of you right now are hungry, right? Anybody ever get hangry? You sit next to someone who gets hangry? Maybe this announce. Anyone ever announce, I'm hangry? Feed me. I'm hangry. Well, he's 40 days. 40 days out in that wilderness, right? And along comes Satan and says, hey, you're God. You're God. Why don't you just turn these stones into bread, dude? Come on. Just do it, right? What's he trying to do? Okay. The first word, the, the, the strategy, when Satan tempts us, he goes to what we call our desires. He's going to go to our desires level. Okay. Now, some of you are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And there's a little pyramid, some of you. There's physiological needs, air, water, food, sleep, safety needs, personal security, employment, health, resources, love and belonging, friendship, intimacy, family, sense of connection, esteem, which is respect, status, recognition, strength, self-actualization, desire to become the most that one can be. So what he does is he knows this conditions, he knows the environment's rough, he knows Jesus is physically kind of worn, right? And he comes and says, hey, dude, just meet your physical needs independent of God. You see, the core of temptation at the desire level is to meet our needs independent of God. I need this, I want this, I have to have this, and I choose to fulfill it my way, my timing. For a lot of us, that's what we are very familiar with when it comes to this idea of temptation. There's something drawing us. There's something that appeals to our fleshly desires, one of those needs, right? And it doesn't necessarily even have to, again, try, to, try not to just look at it uh, in a sexual connotation, right? It could be just a habit. It could be your need to want to belong and, and find acceptance in a relationship and all, you know, something that, that has this desire, this pull on you. And along comes Satan and he says, Hey, why don't you just meet your need? Don't wait for God. Don't wait on God to provide in his way and in his time. Just do it. Take initiative. You're an adult, you can do what you want. Just take care of this physical, emotional, spiritual, social need right now. Just do it. And so 
the challenge to our faith in this first temptation is do we really trust God's provision in God's way and God's time? Because a lot of us get antsy. And I really need this. I really, really want this. I really want that. I really want this, right? I've been in ministry 30 years, and, and this even has played out in the relational context, right? Where someone wants a relationship so bad, and they don't want to be alone for the rest of their life. And, and they, you know, they're looking for that right person. And along comes somebody. And that they, you know, spiritually they're not on the same level. And that person's not a good influence, yada, yada. And they're even to have friends tell them that's not good. That's not, you know, that's going to take you away from God. You shouldn't be doing that. And yet at the desire level, right, the, the temptation is at the desire level. I have this desire to be in a relationship. I have this desire to feel loved. I have this desire for someone to care about me. I have this desire, desire, desire. And what's Satan telling them? Do it then. Act independently of God and meet this desire. That's what was going on here. Now, this person who wants to be in a relationship, what is their faith challenge? To wait on God. To be willing to trust and say, God, I'm going to believe that you're going to provide the right person in your timing and in your way. So whether it's relationships, whether it's anything, this desire level is where a lot of us live. And the enemy will still comes to you, trying to get you to fulfill a desire independent of God, to put your physical, emotional needs above your spiritual needs, and just to take care of it, okay? And then in Matthew 4, 5 and 8, he goes to the next one. Because Jesus, right? Jesus says, it is written, right? And I was like, oh, you got me, right? He says, it is written, right? Man shall not live by bread alone. So Satan now tries to use God's word. It's really interesting. In temptation number one, Satan comes at the desires level. Jesus says, you know what? Hey, dude, it's written. Man shall not live by bread alone. So Satan's like, okay, okay, okay. You want to try to use God's word? I'm going to throw God's word right back at you. So in temptation two, Satan himself uses God's word, and he twists it. He twists it, right? Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Satan himself says it is written. This should put, like, this should concern for all the stuff that you have out there on the internet and YouTube and all the stuff out there. There's a lot of people preaching false stuff. Twisting it up. Saying, it is written. Hey, dude, this is what the Bible says. Right? It is written. This is what the devil says. For it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up. Lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So basically, what Satan does is he comes along and he misquotes and misapplies Psalm 91. 11 and 12. Okay? Basically, what he says is, hey, dude, you know, in the Bible, in Psalm 91, 11, 12, it says, you know what? I'm going to bring you up to the top of the pinnacle and, and think it was like some people say two to 400 feet high. He said, dude, just launch yourself off. And according to that verse, God has to save you. Just bungee jump with no bungee cord. Just go. Right. And what is he doing? A, he's misquoting it because uh, actually it says this. There's important words that he left out. Satan actually left out some words. Here's what Psalm 91, 11, and 12 says. 
He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. See, he omitted to guard you in all your ways. That phrase, really, in the context of that psalm, means God is going to provide and protect us as we follow him. Here's our refuge and fortress. Okay? So what Satan does is he pulls two verses out of Psalm, out of context, to do what? Why would he do that? What is the point? What is he trying to get Jesus to do? By twisting scripture, by misquoting it. Mis- what is the point? I, you know, I'm like, what is going on here? What, what he's trying to do here? He says, Jesus, test God. Do you really believe that? He's getting Jesus. He's trying to get Jesus to doubt God's word to a degree that now Jesus will test God. See, if I'm struggling with receiving God's word and I'm doubting it, suddenly a wall goes up and now I just want to test God. And that's the problem. That's what's going on here. He's trying to, Satan is trying to sow seeds of doubt into Jesus, just receiving God's word. But now he says, test him. Test God. Is he really good? Because where did God use this before? Garden. Same strategy. What did he do with Eve? Did God really say, you're not going to die? See, Satan's strategy doesn't even change even today. He's going to come at you, he's going to twist scripture, and he's going to say, God didn't really mean that. That's not true. That's not really going to happen. He, he plays on our doubts. And he plays on our lack of knowledge of scripture. And so someone will come along and they'll twist scripture and they'll make it sound really good. And you'll get into it hook, line, and sinker. And really it was deception. And at the root of this temptation, what he's trying to do is he's trying to get Jesus to just doubt God's providence, which means he's in control of everything all the time. So Psalm 91, if you read it, it is a beautiful psalm. I encourage you to read it because the whole point of Psalm 91 is that God is in control 24-7, 365. Amen? The whole point of Psalm 91 is that you, as you and I follow him, as children of God, as we follow Jesus, God is our refuge and fortress all the time. Amen? Okay. Psalm 91 is an affirmation, and that affirmation is just supposed to be received. We're supposed to read that and go, woohoo! Yes! God is my refuge and fortress. Yes, 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 yes. What, does, what Satan did in omitting it and misapplying it and taking it out of context, he turned this woohoo into, oh, really? Well, I'm not so sure now then. Maybe I should test God first. You see? He goes from you who to doubt, and now he wants to test God. And I wonder in your life and my life, if there's an area where God has already spoken, and you're just struggling receiving it, and you're, you're just a little like, I don't know about that. And the devil's sowing seeds of doubt. And you're not willing to fully sit. Now you're getting up off the chair. And now you're 
not so sure about that chair, and it's just because the devil keeps sowing seeds of doubt. At a certain point, you have to determine and receive and trust God's word for what it is, God's word. It's just God's word, amen? Like, God's word, like, see, I don't like doing this when I have a digital one. Can I borrow yours? Okay. At a certain point, you have to decide what this is. It's inescapable. You have to decide what this is. Is this the inspired, inerrant word of God, which separates it from any other book on this planet, or is it just a textbook no different than what you have in history and philosophy and English? You have to decide what this is. And if you decide that this is the living and active word of God, then you know what will catapult your faith? is just to receive it. When God says it, that settles it. Satan's trying to come along and twist it, take it out of context, misapply it, misquote it, to sow seeds of doubt so you're no longer just receiving and relishing in God's faithfulness and God's truth and God's goodness, and now you're just question, 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 suspicion, suspicion, test, 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 test. And he's got you so tied up in knots that you lost the simplicity of, and joy of your faith. And now you're all in your head. And now it's all intellectual. Well, what about, well, what about, well, what about, well, what about? Ask God when you get there. There's some things our finite, penite minds are not going to understand. You're just not going to get it. Infinite, finite, eternal, right? You understand what I'm saying? God, not God. There are some questions. Yes, Lord, can you explain that to me? That one really was a zinger. But at a certain point, you say, I don't get all of it, but what I do get is phenomenal. And it's plenty for me to live on. (laughs) It's just good. I'm good to go. Way beyond good to go. Okay? So maybe the struggles with where you're at and and struggling with temptations is because you're really struggling with doubt. The enemy has got you twisted, and now instead of receiving God's word and receiving God's goodness and receiving God's promises, you're questioning. You're stuck in intellectual questioning mode. And in fact, this happens in John 5, right? Jesus is talking to some religious leaders, and look what he says. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me. That you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. These are religious leaders. These are people who study, 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 way beyond you and I, right? And Jesus is like, you study, 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 and you study, 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 but dudes, you're missing the point. All you're studying has like led you astray. And how do I know that? Because it's all about me. And you missed the point. The point wasn't to study. The point was Jesus. Amen? That's what's going on here. These guys got so caught up. You think you got it because all you do is study and study and study. And you want to know the Greek and the Hebrew and the lexicon. And, the, and you get all into your head. And the whole point was Jesus. The whole point all along was just coming to Jesus. The whole scripture points to Jesus. 
And so the challenge for us, okay, and I get this. This is unique even from when I started ministry in the early 90s. You are inundated with so much uh, content, podcasts, uh, resources, digital resources, YouTube, anything you want, right? Thousands of books at your disposal. If you're not careful, you'll miss Jesus because you're going to get caught up in academics and trying to figure it out and parsing this. And you get, now, there's nothing wrong with study, nothing wrong. You have to rightly divide the word, but I'm going to encourage you in your study and as you want to know God's word, don't forget Jesus along the way. Don't leave Jesus behind because it's all about Jesus. That's what every page in here is. It's the whole point is leading us to Jesus. Okay, thank you, Bill. So temptation number two was about doubt. Misapplication of scripture, take it out of context, get Jesus to kind of test God, doubt God. Okay, that's what's going on there. And then in the third one, he says this. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So the first one was about targeting our desires. Second one was about doubt. This third one. And I call this, this D word is what I call demandingness. Okay, it's demandingness. What, this, what does that mean? Immediate gratification. Looking for a shortcut. So then this temptation, Satan says, hey, Jesus, come here, check this out. Shows him everything. Boom. He says, dude, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to do that seek and save the lost stuff and give yourself up as a ransom. You don't have to do any of that. You want all this? Just worship me. And it's yours. He's appealing to instant gratification, the shortcut, demandingness. I want it, and I want it now. I don't want to have to go through the pain of it, right? I don't want to have to work hard. I don't want to have to trust the process. I just want it. And so Satan's like, dude, yeah, you don't have to, all that, all the heartache that you think you're getting, you don't have to. Just worship me. Just worship me, right? Stephen Cole says this, like a clever salesman, Satan sets out his wares without mentioning the price tag. He always shows the pleasures of sin, which are real, but he doesn't mention the stiff consequences that inevitably follow. Worship me and I'll give you dominion over all the kingdoms of the earth. Sounds good. But he fails to mention that Jesus will then be the servant of Satan, not of the father, that the holy union between father and son will be forever broken, and that Jesus' mission as savior will be ruined. Satan's like the ultimate con. He'll float something right by you, and it'll look good, and he knows the lure. He knows just what color, and just, you know, I love fishing, and when I go out on the, out on the boats to the islands, depending on what the captain says is biting, I'll go to my tackle box, and I'll pick the lure, and then I'll look around, and I'll ask other guys, hey, what colors are they hitting? Because you, you want that certain fish? Put the right lure on there. Thing is, Satan knows how to fish for us. It might be your desires. He'll put on the desire lure. Doom! Fish on! Right? It might be the doubt. Psh, 
I got to pet it. <laughs> Mike. That's just, that was just Mike, okay? All the other ones are like, is he talking about me? No, just Mike. Right? Or it could be the demanding. Boop. Mark on. Mark's always been trying to cut corners, always wanted the quick route for being like Jesus. Didn't want to, doesn't, doesn't want the disciplines. He just wants the feels. He just wants all that. And, and I got him because he just wants a shortcut. Sometimes we have to realize, especially when it comes to our sanctification, there is no sort, shortcut. Amen? If you remember the story of Joseph, it was in the wilderness that he matured and grew in his faith for the, fa- the next mountaintop. There is no shortcut. And so sometimes people will come. Remember I told you, um, sometimes in, in ministry I'll hear people say, I tried Christianity. I tried. And I'm like, we talked about this, right? Well, Christianity isn't something you try because it's about sin and salvation. But it's very interesting because that phrase reflects that they wanted to give it a whirl for a little bit of time. And it didn't work out in their timeline. There was no shortcut. They realized it was a lifelong progressive sanctification. And they're like, peace out. There is no microwave Christianity. It is like, what do you call that? Instapot? Crockpot? Crockpot? right? It's like the turkey, right? How many of you like deep fry your turkeys? Like, boom, right? And then you got that five hour, six hour thing. It's like, is it ready yet, mom? You know, it's like, what is it going to be? See, some of us come to Jesus and we like want the quick fix. We want microwave, boom, 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 demanding instant because we live in an instant gratification society, right? How many of you love Amazon? Man, next day, and now I'm bummed if it's two days. I'm like, are you kidding me? Two days. And I'm like, oh, wait, I live in Ojai. Man, that's pretty miraculous, right? But we're so instant, instant, instant. We want immediate gratification. We want the shortcut, right? How many of you in school were ever tried to shortcut by cheating? You don't have to study. You don't have to spend all the time studying. Anyone ever get someone to write a paper? It's thank you for the honest laughs, right? The nervous laughter, right? What's the big concern in schools now? Chat AI, chat GPT, writing papers in like 30 seconds. Hey, I need a 500 word essay on French Revolution written from this perspective. Boom, 30 seconds, chat GPT does it. Now schools have to have their own software to detect when it's been written by AI. We live that now. Instant gratification looking for the shortcuts. And so sometimes the enemy will come to you in your faith, in your daily following of Jesus, and might want to create discouragement, might want to create a sense of uh, frustration, heaviness, because it just doesn't seem like things are moving quick enough, right? And I want to encourage you, stay the course. All right, turn to the person next to you and say, stay the course. Stay the course. All right? Because what, it, what is, the Bible describes our following of Jesus, what? As a walk. It's a walk. It's just a walk. One day after another. It's a walk. You put one foot in front of the other every day. 
Now, sometimes there's mountaintop experiences, and we go to Mexico, and we have a great opportunity. It's just part of the bigger walk, though. It's a walk, okay? And there are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. And in fact, sometimes when you feel like you've actually got stuck somewhere in a trial or tribulation, that's where God's growing you, okay? Look at 1 Peter 1.6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Sometimes the trials is just to refine you. Just to refine you. James 1, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Okay? It's a process, a life. They call it progressive sanctification. It's the rest of your life, the rest of my life. One step at a time, okay? So don't let the enemy come in and push your demanding instant gratification button and cause discouragement, frustration. That's another strategy he has. Hey, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. And, and we can get tempted just because we're frustrated, okay? And so I want to encourage you one one foundational way to kind of deal with, okay, he's coming at me with desires, he's coming at me with doubt, he's coming at me with this demanding thing. What can I do? Okay, now that I recognize strategies, give me something that I could do when I leave here, okay? Check this verse out. I love this verse. Yeah, all those D words, here's a D word. Psalm 37, 4. Delight. Everyone say delight. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, Really quick, that is not a Santa Claus verse. That does not mean if you delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to get you the Lambo. That does, he's not going to get you that guy or girl. That's not what he's saying, okay? That's not that verse. What that verse is saying, okay, delight yourself in the Lord. Enjoy the Lord. Celebrate the Lord. Love the Lord. Make him your, your number one priority. Delight yourself in the Lord, and your desires will become his desires. Or, yeah, your desires will match his desires. His desires become yours. He will give you the desires of your Okay, great, great example. How many of you, before you became a believer, did not have any desire to come to church? Be honest. It's fine. Not gonna, I was there. How many of you, since you became a believer, have a desire to come to church? Have a desire to read the Bible? That's that verse. He gives you the desires. He gives you the desires to read the word. He gives you the desires to pray. He gives you the desires to be a godly man. He gives you the desires to be a godly woman. When you delight yourself in the Lord, he supernaturally gives you new desires. Amen? That's how we battle when Satan comes and he wants to get you with your desire level, the flesh or doubt or demandingness. Here's the deal. If I'm delighting in the Lord, I'm already, my desires are filled with God's desires. It's a foundational defense because I'm delighting in the Lord. He's giving me his desires to be more like him, to want the things that he wants. I don't have time 
to be fiddling around with Satan's games. I don't have any desires. He changes my desires. It's like partying, right? People, sometimes people like, like partying and all that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, you're a Christian. It's just a bunch of rules, right? You can't do this. You can't do that. And I'm like, dude, no. You know, when I was at UCLA, sure, I did some stuff. But here's the thing. When I became a believer, I just don't want to anymore. Amen? I just don't want to. I just don't have those desires anymore. It's not like I'm afraid of the big principle in the sky and all these horrible things happening if I get caught. No, I just don't want to. I just don't want to do what I used to do because God has given me his desires. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. Next week, we're going to do one more week on temptation because I know it's such a big topic for us, especially in the culture we live in. You know, there's a wonderful verse that says, uh, God has not given us a temptation except such as common to man. He'll always provide a way out. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13 next week. We're going to look at temptation one more week because I know it's just real and practical, okay? But my encouragement, uh, who's, on the, who's on the screen back there? I, can you put up 37, 4? Here's homework slash assignment. I usually don't do this. Ponder that verse and delight in the Lord this week. Delight in the Lord and ask him to give you his desires. Ask him to change your desires. Now, delight is a positive word. Don't like, oh, Richie, Pastor Richie says I have to delight in God. Okay, here I am, God, delighting in you because I have to. If you do that, I hope you're miserable. No, just, <laughs> that is not what I'm saying. Delight. How many of you delight in dessert? Like, see, see, delight in the Lord. Amen. He's a good God. He loves you. He's faithful. He has given you everything you need for life and godliness. He's blessed you with beautiful people in your life. Delight in the Lord this week. Delight in him. Don't make it academic. Delight in him and then see what happens to the desires of your heart. There's so much heaviness in the church because we got to get want to come to the well we delight in the lord at the well they're like peace out bro i'm one of that i'll go delight at the dodgers i'll go delight in the lakers they go watch the laker game there's a whole lot of people delighting in the lakers till they lost but that's okay you see it all around people delight in things right why can't we delight in the lord because god is good and all the time, then let's just delight in him this week. Amen. Well, welcome. We uh, get to do something very special this morning, something that we love doing around here, and uh, they're called children's dedications or child dedications. And uh, we actually have two families today. The first one, uh, where's, where are they? Bobby, Danelle, come on up. This is Bobby and Danelle Meyer. And... We got handsome Samuel coming up here. Every time they arrive on Sunday, I say, what's up, handsome? And he just stares at me. I thought I was going to get a fist bump, but I didn't yet. So I'm still working on the fist bump. So what's up, handsome? That's the look I get all the time. So, so children's dedications. Uh, if you're not familiar with 
children's dedications, uh, this is not what we call a salvation uh, issue. What we're about to do with Samuel and then Micaiah in just a few minutes, uh, we believe it doesn't necessarily save them, okay? What, what we celebrate as a church family is that, in this case, Bobby and Danelle are committing before you as their church family uh, to say, you know what, we are going to do our best to raise Samuel in the ways of the Lord, and one day we all get to celebrate his profession of faith in Jesus. But we also, as a church family, uh, understand that this is a collective responsibility. Amen? Amen? Right? How many of you know the joys and the challenges of parenting? How many of you have appreciated when someone says, I'm praying for you yes. as a parent, right? Well, that, at the very least, we pray for one another here, but sometimes there's needs financially, materially, and so we, we do that, and we're all in this journey together. Uh, Psalm 127.3 says this, children are a gift from the Lord, they are a reward from him. So if you're a child sitting next to your parent, just say, hey, by the way, I'm a gift. Just turn to say, turn to them and say, hey, I'm a gift. Just to remind you, I am a gift from God, okay? So, we are celebrating really a decision that Bobby and Danelle uh, are making on behalf of Samuel as a family. We have been so blessed to see both of you blossom uh, in the years that you've been here and then to see this little guy from really the beginning. What's up, handsome? Okay, next time. So, um, so... I'm going to ask you two a question, okay. and if you agree, say we do, and then I'm going to have a church family question. So, uh, Bobby and Danelle, do you commit by God's grace, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in partnership with the church, to raise Samuel in the training and instruction of the Lord, with the desire that he will one day trust Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord? If so, say we do. We do. Amen. All right, church family, again, remember, this is, a, this is the big we, okay? And so... I'm going to ask you a question as well. Do you commit, church family, by God's help to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ, to help this family be faithful to God, and to help teach and train Samuel in the ways of the Lord with the desire that he will trust Jesus as his Savior and Lord? If so, church family, respond by saying, we do. We do. It's pretty sweet, huh? All right. All right. Uh, where's uh, Mark? Come on up. The elders, we're going to... Uh, pray for you guys. Tyler's going to pray. And then uh, we'll bring up the next family. Pray with us. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for today. We just thank you for another day of life. And we just thank you to, that we were able to celebrate um, Sammy this morning, Lord, and the, that they're gonna, he's going to be raised in a Christian home, Lord. And you tell us that it takes an army to raise a child, Lord. And so as a church, we're going to come alongside this family and just shepherd them to have Samuel follow Jesus, because that is the ultimate goal, is that Samuel follows you, Jesus. So we give this up to you, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you. All right. Well, originally we only had Samuel being dedicated, but the circumstances uh, have changed and allowed um, another family to be in town. Uh, last time Micaiah was here, she was still in the womb, wasn't she? <laughs> and uh, so circumstances uh, changed, and Zeke and Layla uh, were able to bring our second grandchild to be dedicated. Uh, they just arrived from... Uh, <laughs> yes. 
They arrived from uh, Kapswar, Kenya on Thursday, and they'll be with us for a week. So Zeke and Layla, why don't you guys come on up? This is Micaiah Rhodes, and uh, this is Niala. All right, so I'm going to ask you the same questions. So Zeke and Layla, do you commit by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit and in partnership with the church to raise Micaiah in the training and instruction of the Lord with the desire that she will trust Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord? If so, say, we do. do. All right, and church family, once again, do you commit by God's help to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ for this future worship leader, singer, to help this family be faithful to God and to help teach and train Micaiah in the ways of the Lord with the desire that she will trust Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord. If so, respond by saying, we do. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray. Mark, would you like to pray for them, Mark? Oh, Lord Jesus, what a privilege uh, to just be praying for uh, Zeke and Layla and for Micaiah, Lord. Um, we know that they have trusted their lives to you, Lord, and we just come alongside them as their church family, uh, as ones who love you together and love them. Uh, Lord, we pray for Zeke and Layla just in their, their lives and their ministry and Capsuar, um, and particularly for Micaiah, Lord, just as a young girl growing up in a foreign country and in a missionary type situation, Lord, that you will just bless and protect and guide and fill her life, Lord, with the joy and love of Jesus Christ. So we put them in your hands and we thank you for just getting to have them as part of our family and we join in just surrounding them with your love in Micaiah's life. So we love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. If you have a, a child that you would like to be dedicated, please contact us. Uh, also, baptisms. We love doing baptisms around here, so if you have not been baptized and you would like to be baptized, please let us know as well. Okay? Kim, come on up. Come on, Linda. <laughs> Hello. Hello. I'm Kim, and yes, I'm normal today, and this is my, my sidekick, Linda. Um, I'm Kim from Children's Ministry. I'm the lead for Kingdom Kids, and this is Linda from the nursery. Hello. (laughs) If I'm not in a costume, I'm kind of shy up here, so you have to kind of bear with me. Um, We have something special today. I want to start out with a verse that's really special to us for Kingdom Kids. Um, It says, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And that's Matthew 19, 14. And one of our ministries that's really important is children's ministry. Um, We have a lot of littles here, um, and it goes all the way up to fifth grade, and uh, they're very special. So um, we have someone else that's very special that's added to our ministry, and that's Tina Rosas. (laughs) So... um, Yeah, so um, some things I just want to say before we begin. Um, It's not going to be long. We're not going to be here until 1, so I'll I'll hurry. Um, The International Bible Society indicated that 83% of Christians make their first commitment to Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14. That is when they are children or early youth. 
um, and they call that the uh, 4 to 14 window. So it's really important. Many people serving as missionaries have testified that they first felt God calling them to missionary service during that 4 to 14th age period. So our Kingdom Kids volunteers, I have to read this, are missionaries in children's ministry here at the well. They teach the word of God each Sunday. The mere fact that they show their love of and they bring a child to know Jesus is amazing and unmatched. We are so proud and appreciative of each and every one of our Kingdom Kids volunteers, and they deserve to be recognized for their dedication to our children and our church family. Now, I have something to say. I did a bait and switch. I told our volunteers and Kingdom Kids that we had a mandatory meeting today, so they had to come to church. They have no idea that we are doing this right now. So I apologize, but I don't. So um, we are going to call them up at this time so they can each and every one of them be recognized. So um, we're going to start out with the nursery. And I was excited that we have this opportunity to um, thank them for all that they do because we have such a humble, hardworking, loving group. So, Nadine. Danelle. Jasmine. Kathy Pag, Kai and Cynthia, Dennis and Sarah. Katie, Layla, and Sue. Jesse. For the older kids, that's just the nursery. Yay! Oh, you are. Don't push me. All right. For our older kingdom kids, we have Darianne. Thank you, ma'am. Matt and Aubrey. And Josie. Uh oh. Oh, here you go, Aubrey. There you, Aubrey. There you go. Ireland. Lachelle. Aowen. Rennell, Linda, Linda, where are you? Oh, there you are. 
Hi, Linda. Thank you. Oh, there's, there's Rennell. And we have Tina. Sam. There you are, Sam. Christine and Jonathan. And I think we got them all. So if you look under your seats and there's a sticker, that means you are a new volunteer. No? What? No. I know Okay, thank you very much. All right. Thank you guys, all of you. You guys are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> now get back to work. All right. We're, we're going to actually be, di be dismissing the kids to Kingdom Kids. So kids, you guys can head out the back doors there and let's, let's let the kids know how much we love them as well. See you guys in a little bit. Man, that was crazy. That was like 90% of the church was up here. All the, other, all the other ministries are like, we don't have any volunteers. Yeah, because Kim took them all. See, she gives them gifts, feeds them. Just got to, you know, you got to prime the pump a little bit. So kingdom kids. I was like, man, oh, man, that was loud. That's a blessing, though, right? And when we got this facility, what, five or six years ago, uh, one of our, our heart, our, our vision was for young families. And uh, it's been a blessing to see uh, God really bring the young families of the valley here over the last five, six years. So uh, Kingdom Kids, wonderful ministry. Uh, Kim is completely devoted uh, to what she does here and does a great job. Uh, in fact, one of the uh, announcements we have, if you go down the hallway, if you've never seen the Kingdom Kids rooms, I encourage you after, after church, go check out the nursery and the Kingdom Kids rooms and, and see what your kids get to experience. Um, but in the hallway... The, there's a, like a, what they're calling a prayer wall, and there's a, I think it's a cross, right, Tyler? And, and there's compartments in there, and you'll see some scrolls. They're teaching the kids about prayer, and so there's a prayer wall in the hallway, and you are invited. We are all invited. If you want, there's a pen and paper there. Uh, you can write a prayer request and insert it in one of those compartments. You don't have to put your name if you don't want to, and um, eventually, Kim is going to hand that off to the prayer team. So if you have a prayer request for yourself or... Uh, someone else, feel free to make uh, use of that prayer wall, and uh, that would be wonderful. Um, but again, great, great ministry there. And the only other announcement we have today is Help of Ojai, right? We're coming alongside um, Help of Ojai, and we're going to be making, uh, helping prepare lunches for the homeless uh, on those dates right there. And uh, Cindy Mullins is doing a wonderful job facilitating this. Cindy's right there. She's right here. Wave your hand. So, yes, yeah, Cindy. <laughs> 
So there are some needs, and uh, so if you are interested, it's a wonderful ministry, great opportunity to make an impact in our community. So see Cindy afterwards. She'd love to chat with you, maybe get your contact info, and um, can be off and running with that, all right?